Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. Welcome to Analog Jones in the Temple of Film. I'm Steve. And I'm Matt. And we're a VHS podcast that breaks down the box art, trailers, and behind the scenes. And this week, I'm going to let Matt introduce his America Month. Yeah, we're starting America Month because it's the month of July, the month with 4th of July. So I guess the best way to kick it off is with celebrating our Independence Day. <laughs> and what did we watch? <laughs> <laughs> ID4 itself, Independence Day. <laughs> July 2nd, they arrive. July 3rd, they attack. July 4th is... Independence Day. Day we fight back. Rated PG-13. Only at theaters July 3rd. I love this film. I love everything about it. <laughs> I I don't I don't love this film. I like this film a whole lot, but I love everything it represents. <laughs> you fucking communist. How do you not love this? <laughs> um, it, I'll get into it, but I I do really like this film. I do. Oh yeah, it's amazing. I even have a story about seeing this. So can we sidebar? Let's get into our history then. Yeah, like where? What's your what's your story of seeing this film? Well, first, before I tell this, I'm gonna break open Pure America right here, a Budweiser. Oh, oh shit. <laughs> well, uh, <3D>. <laughs> I just got uh, goo and Budweiser all over the microphone here. But my brothers had a baseball game, and we were going to see the movie after the baseball game. So it was one of those things where the baseball game ended, and they're having a huddle. And I remember being like, Mom, they gotta hurry up. We gotta get to the theater. Theater's like 20 minutes away. Movie starts in 30. And she's like, Ah, oh, well, they're huddling. They're doing their thing. And I was getting nervous. And then it went longer. And then they're doing this whole, like, Go, team, go! And I'm freaking out. <laughs> As a kid, I could not stand being late. I wanted to see the trailers. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the only... We didn't have YouTube back then. That's the only way you could see the yeah. trailers. So I was freaking out. And my mom gets us into the in the car and I'm like we're gonna miss the movie and freaking out and she looks at me cause she loves sci-fi I mean she got me into Star Trek and all that and she's like we ain't missing this and it's just my mom going into like fuck my children's safety we gotta get them to the theaters we fly there we like park in the parking lot cause we have to park in the back it's so packed my mom just gives me the cash $20 I guess was enough to pay for four tickets back then and I just run to the box office pay for the tickets i don't even wait for them to catch up i just go in there and i go four tickets rip them and we go right into there right when the first trailer was starting i don't remember what the first trailer is but let's let's just pretend it was something i don't know uh what was going out let's just say it was i don't know, outbreak <laughs> yeah. which it could have very well been yes <laughs> Do you have any ridiculous story behind this? Uh, yes, actually I do. Something about this movie uh, attracts ridiculous stories. Um, so I, I also saw this in theaters. Um, and this was during the time, you know, I was six years old. Um, 
you know, you see movies in theaters, and you, you like everything you see, you know. Like, yeah. And I like this movie, but it wasn't one that I was going to own, necessarily. Like, you know, 96, I was probably getting a lot of, like, the Disney movies on the one end, and then, like, full moon movies on the other end. You know, like, those were probably the things in 96 I had. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, it, it wasn't something I was going to own. Saw it in theaters, liked it as a kid. And then, about, like, 2002... Hadn't seen the movie since, whatever. Um, I'm in I'm in school, and I'm in like grade school, so I'm in like seventh grade or whatever, um, younger. And we're hanging out outside of school one day, and there's right like outside of the exit doors. We're I think it's during a fire drill, so like we're all the whole school is outside right now because we're doing like a fire drill during the day on like a Tuesday or whatever. And right outside there's this big bush right outside of the exit door that we come out of. And I look in the bush, and I'm like, there's a tape in there. <laughs> and I reach in, and I'm like, it's Independence Day. <laughs> what? Which is the tape we watched. I still have, this is the same one. This is the tape I found in a bush outside of my grammar school, circa, like, 02. So some kid cried when they lost this in a bush somehow. Yeah, but, like, it wasn't like, it wasn't like a kid from our school because we were in school all day. And, like, we only went out for this fire drill. It wasn't like it was after school. It wasn't like it was before school. You know, it was, like, midday. So this kid probably put this in a bush days ago and probably forgot about it. And then, like, I find it, and I'm like, ooh, a tape! And, like, everybody's like, oh, it's probably going to be porn. It's probably going to be, you know, something crazy or whatever. Take it home. It's Independence Day. <laughs> what kid? He deserves to lose it. What kid stores his tape in a bush? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. It could have been an adult, too. It could have been somebody just trying to get rid of it, somebody doing a joke. I don't know. Huh? Yeah, but Either it's, way, it's your gain, and it's it's soaked in tears. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> it's our gain because it's the one we watched. Yeah. <laughs> That's nuts that we have two stories behind this before we get, even get into this tape. The history behind this is amazing because the marketing was the bomb. Mm. This tape changed how movies were marketed. Yeah, this was huge. Because Roland Emmerich was coming off of Stargate, and the whole story of him and the producer coming up with a story on this by getting a question asked during the promotion of Stargate, where they said something, do you believe in aliens or whatever? I, I don't know how, but he's just like, well, yeah, could you imagine if giant ships just came over to cities, how you know freaked out you'd be? And they all laughed, and he goes, I think I just found my the story for my next movie. <laughs> and they went to Mexico and wrote it in, like, a month. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. That, that's what this movie is, though. It's like, ships just show up one day. Yeah. It's like, uh-oh. <laughs> what are we going to do? And apparently the bidding on the script for this was nuts, and Fox ended up winning it in, like, a last-second bid. I don't know how much they paid for it. But... When they started marketing this thing, they knew they had something when they were watching dailies. They're like, oh, shit. Mm. This yeah. is it's, this is going to be big. This had to be one of the biggest movies of the 90s, no doubt in my mind. Like, yeah. Just, just how big it was. Well, I think, you know, Jurassic Park set records, and then this reset the records, and then the Titanic sunk all the records. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, I mean... 90s was a weird time. <laughs> yeah. So this is famous for pretty much starting the summer blockbuster trailer in the Super Bowl. Okay. Right before halftime. And they spent, like, 
million and a half or two million dollars in the Super Bowl. And I remember when this trailer hit. Uh, it was amazing. I don't know if it was like, I don't know if it was Michael Jackson playing the Super Bowl halftime show, but whoever it was, this came on right before or maybe right after. It just kind of like, I remember turning to my mom and she's like, oh, we'll see it. Like, I don't e I didn't even say anything to her. She just knew. And it was just incredible. And they even had a TV coverage on Fox mm -hmm. that was like Independence Day taking over or something like that, where they did fake news. Mm. This is the World News Network with Barry Nolan. Good evening. On this most historic day, and in case you've just tuned in, brace yourself. You are looking at live coverage as several alien spacecraft, I repeat, alien spacecraft, are hovering above major world cities, including Washington, D.C., New York, Los Angeles, Moscow, Paris, and London. Throughout the day, we've been watching in a kind of horrified wonder as the craft first began appearing around the globe. Although there have been no communications from the visitors, Washington officials are quick to assure us that there is presently no reason for fear or panic of aliens attacking the earth and everything and i love how they use you know like the b-roll stuff where it's people like freaking out in the street i was reading stories that it scared people people didn't know even though this fox went out of their way to say like oh this is fake <laughs> it still didn't matter because i, I read this one story where this uh, family came over from india and he's like i love this movie and it has a joke for our family because they were in the living room watching it. I guess they didn't understand it. And his mom was crying, freaking out, thinking all this was real. That's hilarious. Yeah. It's That's so funny. I love it. Could you imagine how much fun, like, the second unit director was having doing this? Yeah, absolutely. Like... <laughs> Um, that's very like War of the Worlds, you know, it's like the, the Orson Welles reading over the radio. This was sort of that second coming of that <laughs> in a much dumber way, but like... <laughs> yeah, they spent uh, over $40 million on marketing the movie and the VHS tape. I mean, it was everywhere. Yeah, it was, escape it. it was the first movie to blanket market, as they called it, where they covered everything. Um, and it worked. I'm trying to remember sort of like my like history sort of with the marketing of it. And I, I do, I'm sure because I was such a nerd then, I'm sure I watched like the Fox thing. I'm sure I saw like the Super Bowl trailer. Um, but I just remember seeing it in theaters all the time. Like, mm -hmm. I, I, we probably didn't go to the theaters that often when I was a kid. Not as often as like I go now, but like, I probably saw it a few times in theaters the trailer and it was just yeah it was like sort of that no-brainer it was like oh yeah the kid's gonna want to see this we're gonna have to go see this when this comes out i started working in the theater after seeing this like because nice. i was home i was like 15 at the time and yeah this is one of the movies that made me want to work in the theater mm -hmm. which is nuts that like it had such an impact yeah i mean it's it's almost more you know the marketing the coverage the the sort of everything surrounding the movie that makes this movie so special not so much the movie itself and the movie the movie is really good like i was saying before yeah you better say that but it's everything surrounding it that really made this thing kind of special for our generation yeah it was it, this was one of the most iconic movies of my generation like you had Jurassic Park you had Independence Day 
and to another degree of like a worse degree, Godzilla. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you think of it, when I was watching this movie, I was like, this is the 90s. Like, this is just like, if you ever want to show kids today who obviously never lived in the 90s, what just like a day in the life of the 90s was like, pop this tape in because like the trailers, the the movie itself, like it's, it's so 90s. And you've got three of the biggest stars of the 90s at the time, like top lining this movie. Like, yeah, this is the 90s. Like... In a box. <laughs> yep. Couldn't agree more. <clears throat> and it was also the start of, like, destruction movies or disaster movies. Yeah, this is sort of second coming of disaster movies. And I've got a list of some of the, just the ones around this time. Some of them are more kind of a little disastery, but listen to this. So in 96, Twister and Outbreak... You also had Daylight in 96 with Independence Day. So 96 was kind of like, I mean, the year of dis- disaster movies. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, movies before that that kind of started it was kind of maybe Speed mm-hmm. in 93 or 94. And maybe even like um, Backdraft in the early 90s yeah. where this just like things were happening and people had to escape them. And then it turned into it. Ni- uh, turned into more of like pure you know, like Mother Nature's Coming or Aliens. Or, yeah, sci fi. Yeah. yeah. In 97, you had two volcano movies. Yes. One literally called Volcano, and the other one called Dante's Peak. And then we had Titanic. Right, the ultimate disaster movie. Yeah. And then 98 was kind of the end. This is when we're like, okay, you had Deep Impact and Armageddon, both about. Yeah, same thing. Yeah. <laughs> and then you also had Hard Rain. I, I, that's probably more of like a heist movie yeah but that's actually a good film i tell people about that and most people have no idea what i'm talking about i haven't seen it in 20 years i saw it when it came out on vhs but i mean you have to put up with 90s corniness but i love that yeah that's my aesthetic (laughs) that's my day-to-day life (laughs) kind of the last disaster movie i could find was the perfect storm but that's classy though that's like I feel like the movie that killed the disaster movies was actually probably Godzilla in 98, because even though it's not a disaster movie per se, it's a giant creature movie, they sort of marketed it as, like, the next Independence Day type thing. Uh, and, you know, when we talk about Godzilla, because you know we will, uh, we'll talk about the amazing... I own two VHSs of Godzilla. Well, then there's three in this room then right now, because <laughs> <laughs> I own it as well. Yeah, I feel like that's got to be the one that sort of killed it, because they did they did kind of push it as a disaster movie, sci-fi disaster movie. You also got to consider what was the other Roland Emmerich movie where it was Mother Nature was coming to kill us with all the snow covering the earth. Oh, day after tomorrow. Yeah, I always Ooh. feel like that was the one where people were like, Ugh, again. They were sick of it. Yeah, by that movie, and then he tries it again with 2012. Like he just keeps going with this. Well, he basically does the same. He's stuck on the same story. Right. Right. I like 2012 though. Uh, Day After Tomorrow I didn't like, but I like 2012. I don't think anyone liked Day After Tomorrow. (laughs) I have not met one person who was like, you know what film I could go to watch again? (laughs) Day After Tomorrow. A funny story of just side note. Sidebar. If we need to cut this, we can't. But I actually saw that movie twice in theaters, not because I liked it, but because the first time I saw it, I was like, this has everything I like. Why don't I like this movie? I must have missed something. I got to go see it again and see if I like it this time. <laughs> so the second time, I was like, no, I just don't like this movie. <laughs> Did he do Geostorm? 
the uh, one Dean Devlin did, the writer of this movie. Oh, directed. okay, that makes sense. Yeah, he wrote all those. He wrote all those with Roland, uh, and then he directed Geostorm. And it's like, ooh, you need Roland. Like, <laughs> like oh, we thought the other ones were bad. Yeah, like, Woo. You, you're doing them on your own. Uh-uh. <laughs> and he always has to have dumb bureaucrats in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of like uh, a person that no one believes. Right. Who's got to go like, no. Sci- usually I, a scientist. Yes. The scientists know well, what he, he, he always has scientists. <laughs> He's like I said, same story over and over. But let's let's get this podcast back on on trail, and let's have Matt here break down this box art. Why would we rent this movie? Why would you not rent yes. this movie if you were say say you're a kid or a teenager in 1996 and you come across just this simple ass box art? If you you would never pass this movie up. Fox was genius in the marketing of this movie. Because. I never even rented this film. It was bought the day it came out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, you can't pass this one up. It just says Independence Day at the top. Almost, I, just shy of two-thirds of the box is the ship. So you're sort of getting the scope of how massive this thing is. And it's, you know, the 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 ship that we know from the movie with all its, like, sort of geometrical designs and shit like that. Uh, big blue ship almost two-thirds of the cover, the blast coming down on the White House. And the White House is just the bottom of the tape and just, like, a little bit of negative black space at the bottom. Perfect. Oh, God, Perfect that, VHS image. That model is so good. That that whole marketing behind that in the trailer, when it just, like, zaps down and explodes the White House, that's, that sold it. Done. Well, you... you as I feel like as a kid, you're like, there's never going to be a movie bigger than this. Like, this is the biggest movie ever. I have to see it. And they blew up the White House. <laughs> and it's still... <laughs> In my mind. The, the fun thing about the, the side here um, is it's actually the White House exploding now. So the front is it yes. coming down. The side is it blowing up. <laughs> um, flipping it over to the back here, we got a couple stills. We've got the, the actual sort of like war scene between like the American ships. Well, really the world ships because it's all about the world coming together to fight mm-hmm. these things. So the world ships and the alien ships. We have the president Bill Pullman like in inside one of the uh, warships, and then we've got uh, Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum looking dramatically uh, as our three stills, which is just another like perfect, like perfect. You can sell your stars, you sell the action, done. Yeah, let me like, pause here with this. This was the movie where I, I think, obviously Jeff Goldblum had, you know, the fly, and then he was amazing in Jurassic Park where he was like sexy smart. Yeah. When he got to this one, I think this, after he did this movie, he could do no wrong. Yeah, no, he, like, cemented his legend status with this yeah. movie. Like, this is was, when they gave him a star. Yeah, <laughs> this is, like, this is the point at which it was, like, okay, he's not just, like, this really good actor who's kind of off that we really like. Now we're, like, no, superstar. Like, nobody like him. <laughs> um, yeah, and then we get one more, like, image across the bottom here of just, like, the ship over, like, a, a destroyed city, which, again, just selling me this shit. Like, I'm just, like, I'm so in on this. Um and here's our here's a little description on the back here. ID4 is undeniably fun from the New York Magazine. One of the biggest box office hits of all time delivers the ultimate encounter when mysterious and powerful aliens launch an all-out invasion against the human race. The spectacle begins when massive spaceships appear in Earth's skies. 
but wonder turns to terror as the ships blast destructive beams of fire down on cities all over the planet. Now the world's only hope lies with a determined band of survivors, uniting for one last strike against the invaders before it's the end of mankind. 1996, color, 145 minutes. So, oh, man. <laughs> I, I want to watch the film again. Um, I can watch this. I probably watch this every every 4th of July. Not maybe the exact day, but every time period around that. Nice. It reminds me of just the gleefulness of being a kid. See, I, And like this, I haven't seen probably since I picked this tape up. So I haven't seen it. Decade. You know, more. 15 years. Why do uh, you hate America? I don't. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I do sometimes. Uh, you've heard it on this podcast. Um, but... Uh, I do want to point out one other thing on here that I think is kind of interesting. This is this is an original from '96. That's when the uh, the date is on here, but um, it does have a website on here. Now it's a full HTTP colon slash slash www.foxhome.com, but like an early probably like Windows 95 website. Pause. Let's look it up. We looked it up. It's just a image site where it's just like we're working on it. So technically, Fox it's- Connect. Yeah, they wanted to keep the domain, I'm sure. Yeah. They hang, they hung on to it. So, can you imagine... Uh, first of all, how much do you think this movie cost to make? $100 million? No, only 73 I believe it was. And so when they originally came up with this, and they are like, listen, with all the CG shots it's going to take, which cost a fortune back then... They're like, there's no way we could do this. So he actually went to a friend, I think, that worked on Stargate and worked with models and everything like that. Because so much of this, this is the most used models ever in a film. And the last film we watched with models was, what, Starship Troopers? Yeah. And that was, like, one of the last big-budget films ever used models. But there's something about it. It's also cheaper. Well, it's tangible too. Yeah, you can tell it's right there in front of you, and like when you're blowing up the White House and it's a model as opposed to CGI, you're like, "That's real. Something really blew up." Yeah, I mean, this movie's seventy-three million dollars, and they only got it down to that because of the models and paying a little bit less, working with someone he's worked with before. But they look great. A lot of the CG in this or special effects, whatever, really, really hold up. Yeah, I would say half and half. Like mm-hmm. half of the effects are better than most stuff today which is probably the stuff that started out as miniatures and they blew up or you know uh stuff that was already there that was enhanced by the cgi that stuff looks incredible but some of like the full-on cgi does not hold up anymore yeah Yeah, some of the conceptual stuff where they're like putting them together folding the real film with something in the background. Yeah, some of that doesn't. Yeah. A few of the shots of the aliens. Right. Like the sh- I'm thinking of like the ships flying. Sort of like with their motion. It's very like, at this point would be like sci-fi channel original movie kind of style. Yeah. Um, I mean, but, back then... But back 96, then it was revolutionary, yeah. so <laughs> I, can't, I can't talk on it. Um, I'm just saying some of it doesn't hold up, but amazingly, some of it better than today's shit. Yeah, I mean, if you go... Uh, you know, back at, like, her Event Horizon, mm. which is something that was just on not too long ago that I watched. Um, some of that CG is awful. But that's the same thing as this movie. Some of it's also really good. Yeah. <laughs> well, a lot of it is models. Mm-hmm. Especially the ships outside, you know, where they show it from the space perspective. Mm-hmm. 
that looks great. Yeah. Also, the aliens in this, when they're showing the like animatronics of them moving around and the puppeteering, look f- fantastic. Yeah. No, the aliens are awesome in this. So you want to put this tape in? Uh, yeah, let's pop this fucker in. We've been talking about it. I have, we've been talking about it for days already. <laughs> 22 minutes. <laughs> which know, is funny. That's how long it takes Will Smith to appear in this film. Oh, nice. Nice. It's, it's yeah. meant to be. <laughs> let's pop it in. Let's pop it in. Now playing at a motion picture theater near you. The trailers in this bad boy were... <laughs> the first one was just so fun of this time. Volcano. Yeah, this is like a teaser trailer for Volcano, and they're like, let's get the audience excited for this movie that's, our disaster movie that's coming out next year. And it's like, yeah, that one kind of went with like a whimper, but like it is, the excitement they're trying to build with this teaser is like infectious. It's still pretty fun. And I was like, I want to go back and watch Volcano again. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know a lot about LA. Only been there one time, but I don't think they have an active volcano. (laughs) (laughs) But I love how the, the tagline is. The one we don't know about in L.A. And then it's, like, coming 1997. Yeah. And, like, the graphics are so bad. Like, they're, like, early 90s, like, Fox TV graphics. <laughs> and it's great. It's wonderful. I love it. Uh, yeah, it's a blast from the past. I kind of want to go back and rewatch. We should do that one time. I-, I don't have the VHS. I'm sure we can find it. But I bet that thing is just laughably bad. Like, a yeah. good time, though. I'm uh, sure it's a blast, yeah. And then uh, the next promo, or whatever we want to call it, was amazing. It was the ID4 game. You thought we wiped them out. You thought the world was safe. You thought wrong. Independence Day, coming soon to PlayStation, Sega Saturn, and Windows 95 CD-ROM from Fox Interactive. Don't choke, the world's counting on you. Yes, oh, just like the, this was absolute blast to the past like i i never played the game i've never seen anybody play the game or whatever but just the look of it was so early mid 90s that i was just slingshotted back in time when this like trailer started and i probably saw this trailer like on tv this was like a video game commercial so i probably saw it on like fox kids in the morning one day watching like the beetlejuice cartoon or something so i actually played this game and the game was awful (laughs) and i I think the uh, angry video game nerd from Cinemassacre or whatever, he did it. He, like, covered it. You ever watch it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm aware of it. Yeah, it was bad. I remember the game being bad. But the tagline made me crack up. Don't choke. The world's counting on you. (laughs) (laughs) Which is just such a 90s. It sounds like Bart Simpson would say that. You know, like, that's such a 90s. Don't choke. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Did the 90s have the best corny taglines? Yes. Yeah. The 90s were just a wonderful time for unabashed cheesiness all the time. Just all the time. Everything was cheesy and we loved it and we accepted it and we were we, we thought it was cool then. <laughs> we were getting so many odd movies. I hope I, I think it's going to come back. We're going to hit that like 90s rift and just like it's can coming. We, it's coming. Can we just get like dumb fun? It's coming. The wave yeah. is coming, guys. Like Mark this is we are recording this at the end of June here. Uh, it's our first episode of July. Mark mark it down. Matt Stork on this day said <laughs> the '90s wave is coming. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's see here. Oh yeah, then we got the THX sound, which is also always I, I love to see that old yes. THX. Yes, and you knew you were getting a big movie when this started. You like if if they're gonna master it in THX sound, you're gonna get a big loud 
epic movie. <laughs> I remember Terminator 2. Yeah. Is like the THX sound where I remember it. Then we had the 20th Century Big Orchestra, which I don't even think they do that anymore. Not the big long one. This was like 20 seconds. Yeah, no, they're like. This is they're like this is one of our big movies this year. Like we are gonna like build the anticipation for this fucker to start. Like they are just stretching it. And now our feature presentation. Yeah, then we go straight into the movie, and this movie. It wastes no time introducing you to like, uh oh, aliens are coming because we get the moonshot mm. coming in, which looks a little corny now, uh, but still love it. Like, where the guy's just like, there's a. He calls his boss, wakes him up. He's like, this better be a beautiful woman. He's just like, we've got a sound. And they all come down. Yeah. And then right away, this movie, you're kicked. Yeah. The beginning of this movie reminds me of uh, that movie that came out the same year, uh, Arrival, with Charlie Sheen, where like they are, they find the sound. That's how that, and that movie starts that same way, where they're like it's them sitting in the thing and they hear the sound or whatever. Starts the same way. I should really like that movie too. Yeah, just sidebar. <laughs> I love the sidebars because then we get into I, I don't remember exactly where the film goes in there, but the first real scene I remember was where basically they. They introduce you to Jeff Goldblum, which his name is David, MIT tech, and basically the environmentalist. Mm. The super smart guy who's working for a cable company, as his dad said. Yeah, and like they really hammer home that he's an environmentalist. Like he's like telling them to recycle and all that mm-hmm. stuff, like very early on and a lot. <laughs> well, did you catch that his dad was Jewish? I don't know if they. <laughs> yeah, right? Could, like every time he could say something. It might as well have been played by Mel Brooks. I mean, it's Judd Hirsch, which is pretty close uh, for, like, those old old school Jewish comedians who are all wonderful. Listen, David, I've been meaning to talk with you. It's nice that you see me so much now. But don't, don't start. Uh, I'm only saying it's been, what, four years? You're still wearing a wedding band? Three years. All right, three, four, you're divorced. Come on, move on. This is not healthy. No, this is not healthy. The smoking is, is not healthy. Checkmate. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This, this is not, this is not checkmate. See you tomorrow, Phil. Just hold on, this is not checkmate. Checkmate. He is like, so Jewish. It is like, yeah, like, it was like the writers were like, we gotta sell that he's Jewish. And it's like, you got Judd Hirsch. Like, he's he's gonna sell it for you, you know? <laughs> oh, and he's great. Uh, I love great. these guys. I love these guys. Uh, and then, of course, we get the president, played by Bill Pullman, which is one of the most iconic presidents in any movie ever. Uh, now, whether you like him as, like, the JFK president, uh, you know, does he really play the character well? It doesn't really matter, because the speech that he gives at the end of the film or right before it is just kind of like what everyone thinks of now, as a, I think, as a president in a film. Yeah, um, I think I think from moment one, actually, for me, he sells it because he's kind of reluctant. He sort of has the celebrity status, and he's like, "But I actually want to do a good job." Um, it just makes me sad <laughs> in today's world. Um, but what like, are you talking about? <laughs> same thing I talk about every week. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, he. I think he sells it immediately, and I, I'm I'm a huge Bill Pullman fan. I think he's great. I think he's underrated. I think he's a wonderful actor, um, and I think he sells it from moment one. But by the time 
he gives the speech. I mean, he's had this full character arc. I mean, he's one of the best written characters in this movie. He has the full arc from becoming sort of like the reluctant president to like the president that's got to be basically talk all these troops from all over the world. It's not just America. He's got to bring everyone together to fight these aliens and gives the speech. If you don't get goosebumps and chills during that scene, you're not human. <laughs> it's an amazing scene. Yeah. Uh, so w- when they're in the White House kind of freaking out, the the spaceships come in and that's when like we get our first shot of the spaceship truly coming out is when we see Will Smith. Mm. And Will Smith is just charisma just on screen. He he's just Will Smith is in a body but he's actually pure charisma and yeah. they just chose that body. <laughs> I mean, you you've got Bill Pullman, Will Smith, and Jeff Goldblum, all introduced now at this point, three of the biggest stars of the 90s, at sort of the beginning of their, like, at the height of their superstardom. It's wonderful. Like, everybody, every time one of them is on screen, and, like, especially when all three of them are on screen, that's the best special effect you can have in this movie, because they are just stars. Well, this was Will Smith's first movie. This is, like, when Will Smith became a movie star. What yeah. is this? This movie was selling more of an ensemble cast, and most of it, the marketing was about a concept. Right. But after this film came out, it created one of the biggest stars of all time. Yeah, he had, what, like three or four years where he owned every Independence Day, where each each year he had a movie come out on Independence Day? Oh, you know I have a list. <laughs> and here's the list. 1996, Independence Day. 97, Men in Black. We had 98, uh, Enemy of the State, 99, Wow, 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 West. <laughs> <laughs> then we had, uh, I didn't even put the Bagger Vance one, but we had 01 with Ali, 02, Men in Black 2, 03, Bad Boys 2. Damn, he owned the summers for years, for years. Like, I mean, to various degrees of success, you know, like I feel like Enemy of the State, Wow, Wow, West, Ali were not big hits, but like he owned the uh, summers and uh, the only thing yeah we had seen him in a mo- the only movie we had seen him in before this was Bad Boys which was a more of an not an ensemble but a duo you yeah were, he, you were selling the duo with that movie I forget the the movie that made them pick him because it was like 90s separation something in like 1993 I have never seen it never even heard of it but he was in it and Roland Emmerich saw him performing it and of course knew about Fresh Prince mm. and he's like that's my man but they wanted a bunch of different people playing him and he's like no I don't need a big star I need that guy yeah and he was right he yeah. was right lit, lit the world on fire with his superstardom everyone wanted to be Will Smith he was everywhere like this music was everywhere in the, the late 90s his, his uh, movies were the biggest of every summer like Dude was everywhere for a while. I mean, like, if, another thing, if you ever want to show kids from the 90s, or show kids today what the 90s were like, just show them some Will Smith from, like, the mid to late 90s. He was everywhere. Well, and he also made this run of, like, putting a music video with a lot of his movies. Yes. You, know, you had the Men in Black one. You had um, uh, the Wild Wild West. Mm-hmm. And what is another one I'm thinking about? He did about? Men in Black 2. Didn't he do something for Bad Boys? Like the second one. Oh, probably for Bad Boys too. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, it was just like one of those things you don't get that anymore. No, you, this was an all-around star. 
that he was the marketing for your movie. You know, like you slap his face on your poster and you're going to sell tickets. <laughs> well, this is also a time period where they started to put a lot of hip hop stars into films. You know, you had um, who am I thinking about from Deep Blue Sea? LL Cool J. Yeah, LL Cool J, which also came out with a song. For DPC, yeah. and if you haven't seen it, you need to YouTube it right now. <laughs> we'll wait. Are you back? How amazing was that? <laughs> you know, LL kind of followed in Will Will Smith's footsteps or whatever, and wasn't as big, but like also was kind of great. You know, because every I feel like everybody else they tried after LL wasn't. You know, like they tried Busta, they tried DMX. Well, and like Ice Cube these, worked. Ice well, Ice Cube was before Will Smith because Friday. Was 95. Oh, was he? Yeah, yeah, I guess he was, yeah. Um, but, like, everybody after, it didn't really work, you know? Well, like, he had Ice-T, but I think he was way before both of them. Yeah, yeah, he was first, because 92, he was starting to be in, like, Trespass and Surviving the Game and stuff yeah. like that. So he was kind of first. Well, Ice-T has been doing it so long that I forget he was in the music industry. <laughs> yeah, he's an actor. Same with Cube a little bit. Yeah. Like, you almost kind of know Ice Cube the rapper and Ice Cube the actor and then you forget that that's like the same person <laughs> yeah it's kind of like the john madden where you're like yeah. oh he used to be a coach i just thought he was a crazy announcer <laughs> <laughs> i thought he just made video games <laughs> yeah. all of them by himself <laughs> single <handedly>. pow <laughs> uh, whoa where are we even at <laughs> we're on such a side tangent <laughs> the aliens are here will smith is here the movie is a spectacle <laughs> when the the ship rolls in from the clouds, I, I just remember, like, goosebumps as a child. Like, just getting that feeling of, like, oh, shit, this looks so real, especially at the time, that it kind of scared you, but in that exciting way. Watching this, like, yeah, I watched it on VHS, but I still watched it on my big screen TV. It made me, though, want to see it in theaters, because... That theater sound and the huge screen. And, like, I remember, you know, I was, I was six when this came out in theaters. We saw it in theaters. I was so small, and that big screen was so big. I feel like I wish I could time travel back to that time because I do feel like, yeah, it's just like when that when that ship comes in and anytime, really, the ship is on screen, like, over any city or whatever, it's just so massive and so crushing that, like, I really want to see this on a big screen again. <laughs> Yeah, this kind of kicked off, for me, the films that you had to see in a theater. Yes. And even, we haven't recorded our Jurassic World 2 yet, but it was kind of the same feeling. It was like, well, I have to see Jurassic World 2 in the theater. It's a dinosaur movie. Yeah, it's a big screen dinosaur movie. Yeah, like, you have to. Like, thank God there's still movies today like that. Like, you know, like, they're still trying to do that big... Their popcorn movies are still coming out. And, the, yeah. and I think we're going to... We get them all the time. I mean, right now, most of them are Marvel films, it seems like. Yeah, which is unfortunate, because they're hit or miss. You know, I want... Well, unfortunate for you. Most yes, people love them. <laughs> yes, I'm the exception, always. <laughs> and I know every time you say that, there's someone just rolling their eyes. And I, lo <laughs> I love it. <laughs> someone, someone rolls their eyes every time I speak on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh... So we get into the aliens are coming down. We get the, the we'll just shift right into the huge attack. Yeah. We're well, I guess right before that, Jeff Goldblum comes down to the White House, and watching him and his father is like, "What's wrong? You think uh, Washington D.C. is going to be gone when we get there?" And they have that look at each other, and that was my best Mel Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> Although this is Judd Hirsch. Yes, yeah, Judd Hirsch. <laughs> you find out that the uh, communication officer, whatever her name is, for. Um, 
the president. David and him have had a relationship. He looks her up. Yeah. Like, there's so many connections between these characters because you find out that David has punched the president in the past before he was the president. And his dad, when he's just like, you punched your president? What's wrong with you? (laughs) It's like, before, dad, shut up. I love... Those two are great. I could watch another movie about those two. Is Hirsch back in the second one? Uh, I don't even want to talk about the second one. That Did you watch it? Yeah, it's so bad. Is he back? Is Hirsch back? I can't even remember. Oh, okay. It's so forgettable. Okay. I When I watched it, I left the theater and I was like, that was a mistake. <laughs> I never saw it. I missed because it. Because it has Will Smith's son, I'm doing yeah. air quotes, in there. And he... Will Smith is all charisma. This actor they picked as his son is no charisma. And I don't understand what the thought process was. (laughs) I don't know if they're like, hey, it kind of looks like Will Smith. Let's go with him. Probably more that. Yeah, I was like, who looks like Will Smith? Who's available and looks like him? If anyone has seen it, you know what I'm talking about. I think it's called Resurgence. That's how bad it is. I I don't even know the fucking title. Yeah, I I missed it. I just was like, nah. (laughs) <laughs> you know, when that one came yeah. out, I was like, meh. I want to see it still, though, just because Goldblum. But, uh, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's... So, Goldblum, her David, warns them it's it's a clock ticking down. Mm-hmm. And that's when they all start to freak out. Like, get on Air Force One. Get my wife out of wherever she's from. We gotta... They all get on the plane. And I love how they stick this whole, you know, David and his father on the plane. They're like, you're coming with us. Yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? Leave them there to die? That'd be right. horrible. But right. they take off in the plane... We get to the military where they're putting together this giant attack. Mm. Because they already tried the peaceful way of, like, flashing lights at it. Right. And they blew up the White House, so. Yeah, so. (laughs) Whoops. I I do love at the point, like, when they're... All these things are over all these cities. No. Everyone is being so calm about it. They're like, well, what do they want? We've got to talk to them. We can't fight them. What are they doing? What do you think they're doing, motherfuckers? They're going to blow your fucking roof. I mean, come on. As soon as they went over all the massive cities. They're going to blow them up. Yeah. (laughs) You're going to die. So they get into the air fight. We also get introduced to whatever that singer's name is playing Will Smith's. Oh, Harry Connick Jr. Eric Connick, yeah. Who's awesome. Love Harry Connick Jr. Was so excited he was in this. Forgot he was in this. He does kind of feel like he's in a different film, though, because he's just like. Making jokes while they're about to go to war. Yeah, but that—that's these kind of movies. You know, this is the, this is the early prototype for the Michael Bay movies that came later. Yeah, it's a where new it's thing. jokey. It's jokey. Yeah. You know, they do the jokey thing, but then there's destruction, and that's real. But like, then there's witty banter. You know, that's the. This is the early prototype for those Jerry yeah. Bruckheimer, Michael Bay movies. So. Yeah, I'm nitpicking. I, I don't really care. It was just kind of funny to see a, such a young Harry Connick Jr. Yeah. What another like. Like, honestly, fits right in with Pullman and Goldblum and Smith because he's so charismatic. He is. He's so magnetic. Again, just like your best special effect in this movie is your actors. Like, they're all so magnetic. Yeah. And then when they get up there, sadly, he dies because you can't bank that hard. You can't breathe (laughs) when you bank or something. Then we get Will Smith going one-on-one with an alien ship, and that's great. That's, That's your welcome to Earth. Moment. <laughs> ah! Ah! That's right! That's right! Get up! Get up! That's what you get! <laughs> Look at you! Ship all banged up! Who's the man? 
You know what pissed me off and I can't believe this is right when it happened I listened. He says welcome to earth. He pronounces it fine. Yeah. Perfect. And I have never been so mad about someone speaking proper. <laughs> I was just like what the fuck? You you gotta say earth. Well that's, that's what it's become in like it's like that play it again Sam thing where it's like that's not even in the movie but like that's what people have taken it to now. Like that's what people say. People say welcome to earth now but it's like he says it fine he says welcome to earth like <laughs> yeah and everyone messes up the field of dreams one too build yeah. it and they will come it's yeah. not even that it's i can't even remember it's it. like longer it's like yes. longer yeah they always shorten it or like yeah they have to like urbanize it i guess or whatever um but yeah he says welcome to earth and then punches him and cheered when that happened in the theater i remember it everyone cheered everyone cheers and then for me as like a kid I almost thought that, that was like gonna be like close to the end of the movie. It's such a it's such a climactic scene. It's such like it's such a triumphant climactic scene. My little kid brain, not knowing we were only like an hour into the movie, was like, "Oh man, this is gonna be over in like a minute. He's gonna fight. This alien's gonna wake up. He's gonna kill him, and this is the end of the movie." <laughs> like, well, it's funny. It's such a small victory in a giant defeat. Right. Like human race has just been like just dealt just a. a a fucking card that they can't beat. Yeah. They have no idea. I mean, it's it's a couple nails in the coffin. We're almost dead. Yeah. And then we get everyone scrambling around. And I think it's real funny. We still haven't even talked about um, Randy Quaid yet. Yeah, Randy Quaid is also in this movie. Not as uh, magnetic as the rest of the cast, but I disagree. Fun to watch. Still fun to watch. I disagree. I think he is magnetic. He's just really shouldn't be... They shouldn't spend so much time on this character's family because when Quaid's on film, I'm like, you know what? I forgot that you're more than cousin Eddie. Ed, Eddie, you can act. Oh yeah, yeah I'm not. I'm not dogging on his acting. Yeah. He can act in this movie. He was. A, he was a good actor. No, I, I get what you're saying with like, he's no Will Smith. Right. He's no. He's no he's Bill no, Coleman. He's you no know. Jeff Goldblum. Right. But there's something about him where I want to know more about that character. Yeah. But his family, also fake Keanu Reeves. Like, well, I was gonna mention him. Um, one, he's one of my favorite like indie actors, James Duvall. Um, he's Donnie Darko, uh, a few Gregor Rocky movies like Nowhere mm -hmm. and stuff like that. I love that actor, and this is like kind of a testament to this mid '90s. Uh, Roland Emmerich genius, which I'm gonna say, like as far as like mid '90s go, dude was kind of a genius for movies. Maybe not the best, you know, not like well, Hitchcock, but like a genius. He, um, he was a genius for a short period, right? And then he kind of just kept going, like just reusing. Yes, yeah, he never he evolved. Um, but yeah, like a testament to his genius was casting Duvall in this movie. You know, having him come off of these Gregor Rocky movies. They're like, who's going to be the kid? And be like, actually, let's get this like kind of studly like indie actor to be the son. Kind of smart. Maybe smart to put him in this 
but the character's almost useless, oh, except absolutely. at the very end where you're just like, what's happening to my dad? Uh, yeah. yeah. Like, he's about to kill himself. What? Yeah. I love that, you, dad. That's why he's in there. That's yeah. absolutely why he's in there. <laughs> I, I could not take... I feel so bad, because he is a really good actor. If you haven't seen some of his independent films, it's kind of amazing what that guy can do. But in this film, he is just... What's happening? What are you doing, Dad? Yeah. Dad, you're like crop dusting the wrong field, Dad. <laughs> they, they totally, yeah. They cast him as just like typical Hollywood valley boy. Yeah. But like he's so, so much of a better actor than that. But that's and he's basically like, his part in this And they're movie. like trailer park trash. Right. And, right. you know, Russell, uh, what is that his name? Yeah, his name is Russell. Uh, Ex-Vietnam vet alcoholic yeah. lost the mother these aren't his biological children i don't think it's just he married into taking right. care of these kids she passed away he's just a fuck up and he's got this whole story where aliens abducted him after vietnam what i find funny in this whole film is the whole time i'm assuming randy quaid told the truth right and he's being mocked the entire film even when People know there are aliens. They're like, well, he's still crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, and it's like eh, he might have actually been. And I love the fact that the film never bothers to answer it, which is great. Like, that's yeah. a great choice. So well, just, we don't need to know. We don't need to know. It's up to you. Is yeah. he crazy or is he was he right? You know. Well, I also love that Randy Quaid is playing his future self. Yes, I was yeah. gonna. I was literally about to say that. Like, it was kind of a. A window to where he would end up. It's but. a nod, wink, wink. Now, but we had no idea then. Uh, when he was on screen, though, and like you were saying, like he he is a good actor. It also like just reminded me of how great of an actor Dennis Quaid is. <laughs> I was like, man, I want to see these two more. You know, like, and maybe not so much Randy. He might still be a great actor though. How many? Know. How many people? don't even know that they're related <laughs> probably i mean who's nobody's talking about either of them really anymore in terms of like being actors like randy quaid's more of a celebrity for being crazy well so. dennis quaid is too good looking to play a grandpa yeah like that's true. his problem it's true um he needs yeah, to ugly himself up a little bit i miss the quaids i miss them in movies quaid <laughs> <laughs> not neither of them are in that film no. quaid <laughs> Oh, man, I love Total Recall. Anywho, back to this film, which I also love. Uh, we get into this whole... They, they go to Area 51, eventually, yes. because they're arguing on the plane, and then um, Not Mel Brooks says, you, you know you got aliens. You got that thing. Where is it? I don't know. Very Vegas. Vegas, Area 51. <laughs> and, and they look at him, and they're like... You're crazy. Of course there's not aliens at Era 51, even though they were just attacked by aliens. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, the sleazy ex-CIA Secretary of Defense is just like, um, actually... <laughs> <laughs> and then they just, and Data introduces them to the aliens. Yeah, I thought, you know, he's so iconic in this movie, I thought he was in this movie more, Brett Spiner. Yeah, uh, he's barely in it. He's barely in it, but he's like, that look of him in that movie is so iconic. Well, he's kind of the best part, and what very little I remember of the second one that came out 20 years later is he's back in the film, and he's he didn't die, okay. even though the guy reaches down to check his pulse, uh, and he doesn't say he's dead. 
He uh, just checks his pulse and is like, but okay. <laughs> I honestly think Roland Emmerich did that, knowing he'd make a sequel, because he wanted to bring him back. They loved Spiner. They're like, this guy was magnetic on I mean, film. He is, though. Yeah. Like, I re- th- actually, this is something I do remember for the marketing of this movie. Uh, I think it was Starlog Magazine, who is the sci-fi arm of Fangoria, put out in 96 an entire magazine of Independence Day. And they were this was like their selling of the movie, and it was, you know, behind the scenes and shit you'd find in a Fangoria, but just for this movie. And he, his look and everything, like, he was everywhere in this book. And it's probably because he was on Star Trek, and they were, you know, a sci-fi magazine is trying to sell that he is also in this film. But I remember that look so vividly from the magazine pages. <laughs> yeah. Great um, marketing. Yeah, it, it was. It was just one of these, man, I, you wanted to read everything about this film. Right. The marketing was so good, and you wanted to know everything about it, like, except about the movie. You didn't want, like, you didn't want to know, like, how it was going to end or anything like that. I mean, you knew how it was going to end, but, like, <laughs> you didn't want to know, like, all that stuff. You wanted to know what went into making this and, like, ooh, what are, what's the aliens planet like? You know, we never really see that. It's, like, it's everything uh, tangentially related to the movie you wanted to know everything about. <laughs> Speaking of knowing weird stuff about it, did you know Harry Connick Jr.'s uh, originally to play the part of uh, whatever, I don't know, his Marine Captain Jimmy Wilder was supposed to be Matthew Perry. Really? And Matthew Perry had to drop off for some reason. I, I don't know, scheduling problem for this show? What was it called? I don't know, <laughs> Friends? <laughs> and probably his rampant alcoholism. One of the... <laughs> yeah, I mean... Cue the opening of the beer. Cue the beer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Budweiser. <laughs> so, anywho, uh, getting back to this film, we forgot to mention that Vivica A. Fox is in this. As a stripper. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just such a 90s choice, and I love it. I actually love it, because she's like well, female empowerment stripper. She's like, I, this is my yes, job, and I yes. take pride in my work. Yeah, she doesn't even hide it, even from the first lady. Yeah. She's like, I'm a dancer. Oh, ballet. She's like, nah, exotic. Yeah, and the pre- the first lady is like, oh, I'm sorry. And she's like, I'm not. Like, she like owns it, and I'm like, ooh, you go, girl. Like, this is awesome. Like, can't get away with that now. <laughs> and 15, oh, you can get away with it. People would just complain about it. <laughs> They're like, women shouldn't be blah, 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 blah. And you're like, yeah, but some women are strippers who are trying to make it. And, like, they're proud of their work. Yeah, I don't... Like, that's fine. If they're proud of their work, let them be. Like, fuck. <laughs> We've said this in the past. You shouldn't protect women like that. That's not how, like, progress gets. It's just, like, she is what she is. If you don't protect, you support. Yes. <laughs> And uh, young Steve had a funny feeling when he saw Vivica A. Fox in the strip club. I was like, what is this? They put that scene in the movie for the teenage boys that they knew they were going to get in theaters. Like, yeah, beautiful woman. Sold. (laughs) I was just like, (laughs) what is going on? Even the the whatever girl, her like um, stripper partner who wants to go see the aliens that was also in Saved by the Bell college years. Okay. Uh, Yeah, that was another one where Steve... (laughs) So anyway, <laughs> anyway, let's get out of the strip club for a minute. <laughs> hey, teenage boys love to look at that. Yes. They, they sold it yes. right. Roland Emmerich is a weird genius. Yes. What What is past this? What, we get together and then... Jeff- well, we're forgetting one of the most iconic scenes of the movie that sort of, I think, I'm convinced, made Will Smith the star he is. It's him by himself carrying the thing across the desert. And I literally think it is the moment in which he's, like, talking to the alien, but basically to himself. 
that we were like, this guy is the next big fucking thing. Like, I feel like that is the moment that it happened. Uh, I also remembered this scene from being a kid. I remembered this being way longer, not in like a bad way, but in like, you know, just more like an iconic way. Like, I just remembered that scene lasting forever. It doesn't really last all that long, but uh, man, cements that dude as a fucking star, I think. Yeah, because he rolls up to Area 51 and they're like, I'm sorry, you don't have clearance. He's like, come here. I'll show you my clearance. It's a fucking alien. Yeah. I <laughs> uh, love it. Then they get in. Uh, Jeff Goldblum gets drunk. Yeah. And his father's talking to him. He's like, get off the concrete. You're going to catch cold. And he's just like, wait, what'd you say, Dad? And then we see 1996 internet. Yes. Where he's just like. Yeah, just tapping at keys doing nothing. Yes. I'm going to give it a cold. Yeah. I, and I remember the shooting, like, hey, can you shoot that Coca-Cola can? And it bounces off, and everyone's just like, what's wrong with you, David? He's like, my bad. He kind of gets very gold bloomy here. Yeah. And he's just like, oh, uh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. And, and then he gives it the virus, and it takes their shields down, because, yeah, we've learned throughout the firefights that they have a shield up. Uh, so now they have to give it a computer virus to bring the... Uh, shields down. This movie, I feel like, ten years ago or whatever, used to get made fun of a lot for this. It's kind of a genius thing, I think. Yeah, people are always like, oh, it's a good thing that the aliens have the same data, whatever. They sit there and make fun of it. They're like, oh, how could you give it a virus, yada, yada. But at the time, it was genius. And it was very progressive in knowing that, like, computers and things like this and, like, viruses were going to be the things to take things down. You know, like, yeah. this... They, pr- they sort of predicted the future of our reliance on technology. And, like, the thing that's going to bring us down as humanity is going to be a virus, too. You know, like... Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? A virus in the right couple of banks, and we're back at zero. <laughs> oh, oh, the 2000. Oh, no, what's going to happen to the banks? <laughs> Everyone get your canned food. <laughs> we're going to die. Uh, oh, man. If you remember that... The, what was that called? Y2K. Y2K, yeah. Y2K. Oh, good times. Well, why is the world shit now? <laughs> Back with all of our AOL 400 hours of oh, Free CDs. Yes. yes. <laughs> Miss it. Miss it. So we give it a cold, and we forget to mention beforehand when they meet the aliens, the alien, like they're doing surgery on Will Smith's alien that he mm. brought, and then it comes to life, and we figure out that it's a little alien in like a biomechanical suit. Yeah, piloting sort of the yeah. alien, which is also awesome. Yes. A cool thing too like when they show the alien suit walking and you look down at the actual puppets of it, that looks fantastic. When yeah. that eye opens and yeah. it's like metallic yeah. and reflecting, I rewatch it and I'm like this looks awesome. Now when they show a long shot of it where it's like clearly CG like yeah uh, I, I don't even know what they're like octopus legs yeah <laughs> yeah that looks I'm like oh that's 1996 yeah the CG's not great but the practical effects of the yeah. uh, aliens are wonderful I was gonna point out so the aliens and uh, some of the you know like the ship and stuff the production designer uh, credited on this is Patrick Tatopoulos who has done everything but this is like one of like the first ones that I remember him sort of doing and the thing I think is hilarious about all of these Patrick Tatopoulos uh, creations, like the 
like the alien, he went on to do Godzilla, he did the werewolves in uh, Underworld. They all look like him. <laughs> they all look, like if so, you guys need to pull up a picture of uh, no way. Patrick Totopoulos and then one of his creations, whether it's uh, Emmerich's Godzilla, this movie, or the werewolves in Underworld, put them side by side. They look like him. <laughs> I've never heard of that, but yeah. Okay, I gotta look that up. I gotta remember that. <laughs> Yeah, he, he did a great job with these. Yeah, Every, the aliens look amazing. They're they're very unique, uh, and they're in in a time when we sort of started the, the copying of everything else. These are completely original looking aliens. Yeah, they very much sort of have a familiar feel, but also very original. Yes. So good job. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the perfect way to do it. Right. Where you still feel comfortable looking at it, but there's still a lot of new to look at. Right, where you're like, that's an alien, I know that, but it's cool and new. Yes. Yeah, in Arrival, they were so new that I heard people complain that they didn't know what they were. I was like, how do you not know they were aliens, you idiots? Yeah, like, the movie's called Arrival. (laughs) 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 The only thing that would have been more on the nose would be, like, if it was called alien <laughs> <laughs> which they did which they've done already yeah and aliens so just not to confuse people to let people know james cameron's probably like well these idiots need to know there's more than one yes yes <laughs> anywho they get into planning the the second assault and they're like okay you two will smith you're gonna fly the plane Jeff Goldblum, you're going to put in the virus at the mothership. It's going to affect all the other planes, and then we're going to be able to counterattack and take these motherfucking aliens down. And not only that, like we, this is when we get the amazing speech from the president. In less than an hour, aircraft from here will join others from around the world. And you will be launching the largest aerial battle in the history of mankind. Mankind, that... Words should have new meaning for all of us today. We can't be consumed by our petty differences anymore. We will be united in our common interest. Perhaps it's fate that today is the 4th of July, and you will once again be fighting for our freedom. Not from tyranny, oppression, or persecution but from annihilation. We're fighting for our right to live, to exist. And should we win the day, the 4th of July will no longer be known as an American holiday, but as the day when the world declared in one voice, we will not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish without a fight. We're going to live on. We're going to survive. Today, we celebrate our Independence Day. He gets in a ship, too, and he's going to fight. Well, he, you know, he that's the character he turns into. It's yeah. one of these where, like, not only am I going to send these young men to die, I'm going to go and possibly die, too. Yeah. So he's leading the attack. Yeah. He fires the first missile. Yeah. That's a real fucking president. That's uh, a man. That is a real fucking president. What are you what are you alluding to? No, uh, please we don't, don't have yeah. a real president. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we get into 
Uh, what happens next? Is it just like they? Oh, they're like telling the other countries through Morse code, which I love. Yeah. That you know they're like anti-technology of it. Going back to Morse right, code, they have to go to mm-hmm. analog to save the world or whatever. Analog Jones, <laughs> we love Morse code. <laughs> so they start to you know they send the ship off. They go and Jeff Goldblum and Will Smith are like face to face with the aliens. And I always love how their big plan is just like, oh, we'll close this shield so they can't see who we are. Yeah. So we start the counterattack, and Bill Pullman's leading that charge. He fires the first missile. Doesn't work. Uh-oh. What do we do now? We fire a second one. <laughs> <laughs> and it gets through, and we start the fight. And this, yes. these, this dogfight's great. Yeah, like sort of like the wide shots of just like all the chaos in the air, like with just ships everywhere. It's just so wonderful. Yeah, and Michael Bay's like jizzing his pants. He goes... That's my future. Yeah, right. I'm going to make a two-hour film with only that. (laughs) (laughs) Or a three-hour film at one point. Yeah, in some cases, yeah. (laughs) Michael Bay, calm the fuck down. Yeah, yeah. So that's happening, and we get cut back to, you know, them figuring out what they're going to do with the aliens and then the cigars. We forgot about that. Yeah, they have the cigars. Because that's, that's Will Smith's good luck thing or whatever. It's mm-hmm. like rabbit's foot. Um, and they think the fat lady has sung. And Jeff Goldblum is like, if in very Jeff Goldblum fashion, it's just like, what's your obsession with the fat lady? <laughs> the O's, the ums, the yeah. oh, uh, I haven't heard no fat lady. What is this fat lady? Who's this, who's this fat lady that you're so obsessed with? <laughs> yeah. He becomes very Goldblum then. I love this section. Yeah. I love the two of them together because he's so Goldblum and he's so Smith and they're just like bouncing off of each other in the best way possible. I'm like, these people are stars. <laughs> you know how people always clamored to get Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan back together after Sleepless in Seattle and then we've had a, a few others of that. Why have we had no clamoring of getting Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum back we, together? We did, and then they made fucking uh, two, and they didn't cast Will Smith in it. Like, we did have that clamoring for it, and they're like, all right, we're going to do it, we're going to bring it back, but it's not Will Smith, it's his son. And it's like, no, 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 no. Yeah, it's fu- It's awful. Yeah, I, I would love for someone to write just Goldblum and Will Smith in a whole nother film. Yeah, yeah, they should just, like, not a sci-fi movie, probably an action movie, I would assume. But, like, put them in an action movie together. Oh, gold. Writes itself. Yeah. Ooh. Goldblum and Will Smith, written by Shane Black. Done. The, that duo. Woo! <laughs> Woo! Wouldn't it have been awesome if Goldblum and Will Smith were in the Netflix movie? The, <laughs> the one where, uh, whatever, he was with an alien. Oh, but yeah, I didn't see they're, they're in the next one where Goldblum's, like, their captain. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Guys, if you're listening, just put Jeff Goldblum in a movie with Will Smith, and we're set. We're Fuck, set. what is that movie called? Bright? Bright, yeah. I didn't see Bright 2. Hey. It's just Goldblum and Smith. Brighter. <laughs> uh, so they, they fight. They end up taking down the alien ship, but we should tell them how. In a very goosebumpy moment, where it almost makes you tear up, because Russell, who is flying an F-15 or whatever, gets no... T- it's next and it just basically gets a crash course and they're like i know you've been flying a crop duster but fly this you know fighter pilot and the thing locks up on him yeah he goes to shoot the missile right into the hole that was Mm -hmm. made uh very death star like right in the hole pilot you armed armed and ready sir i'm packing who is that guy what about speaker 
pilot, identify yourself. It's me, Russell Case, sir. I told you I wouldn't let you down. Just keep those guys off me for a few more seconds, will ya? Okay, Echo Niner, Echo Seven. Take flanking positions. I want you to look after this guy, okay? All right, boys. Let's give Mr. Case some cover. Gentlemen, let's plow the road. We'll draw them off, and it'll be all yours. <laughs> look out! I'm through. I've got tow. Eagle 20. Box 2. Eagle 20. Box 2. It's jammed. It won't fire. Damn it. Do me a favor. Tell my children I love them very much. All right, you alien assholes. In the words of my generation, up yours! Dad, what's he doing? Come on, baby. Come on, baby, come on. Good luck, buddy. Fucking missile doesn't work. Yeah, it gets jammed. And of course, this is the moment where like, fuck, man. Russell always fucks up. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then he looks at the picture of his kids and he goes, tell my kids I love them. And then not Keanu Reeves is like, whoa, what's happening? (laughs) Is my dad about to die? He is, kid. And he flies right up into the uh, devil's anus Mm -hmm. and blows that son bitch up. And we save the world. We did, you and I. Yes, well, we did with this podcast. I think, <laughs> I think uh, we have saved the world. <laughs> it's so awesome. It, it's such a great ending for that character. Yeah, where you know he he's saving his kids. It's not even really his kids. Yeah. He's been taking care of them barely. But that's yeah, those are his kids. You yeah, know? like it, yeah, it's mm-hmm. kind of a it's kind of a wonderful moment. That's that's the end of the aliens. And then we tell the rest of the world how America did it. Yeah. Because America saved the day. I mean, <laughs> it, I mean, this film was made for Americans. I mean, so it's obviously. It's called Independence Day or whatever. But yeah, the thing the thing that I like about it is that it's like, yeah, it's, it's in America. It's Independence Day or whatever. But really, it's about the world's Independence Day because the world has to come together to fight these things. And like, yeah. So it's, it's both. It's both. Mm-hmm. And that's what I like about that. And then uh, we, at some point they cut back and Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum are detached from the mothership and they gotta run. They let the nuke go. They got 30 seconds to get out of there. Another awesome moment. There's only one thing left to do. Ready? Yes, sir. Hey. All right. 
take care, all right? Nothing but love for you. Nothing but love for you. You think they have any clue what's about to happen to them? Oh, no chance in hell. Good night. flying through it from like three ships and then they squeeze barely through the hole kind of like you know like a Millennium Falcon uh-huh. you know it's just like barely got through mothership explodes they think they're dead they land back down on earth and Will Smith Jeff Goldblum just strutting with, yeah. an, with a ship like smoking in the background yeah. and they're just like owning yes just, owning it just sex appeal and fucking charisma and superstardom just like walking up to then talk to the president who is also just like you know came from a dog fight and it's like <laughs> just so much acting on screen <laughs> so much testosterone and charisma it's, and then we forgot that like uh, Vivica A. Fox and him got married Yes. Which he was worried about doing because he wanted to be in NASA and him going off into space in this was kind of like the payoff of that. I always find that joke weird, if it's even a joke. Would NASA care if an astronaut had a strippers or why? Who gives a shit? Uh, maybe in the 90s they did, though. Maybe. I don't uh, know. But, yeah. Um, We've come past that. Yeah, thank God. At least something. We, <laughs> we actually want our uh, astronauts to have stripper. Male stripper or female yeah, stripper. Whatever, whatever, whatever it is. Whatever, we uh, want our astronauts satisfied. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah, and the movie, like, smartly just kind of ends once once everybody's reunited. It's just like, that's the story. We don't need to do any fucking prologue bullshit. Like, yeah, because humans... Bro- bullshit. Humans win. Yeah, and then credits. <laughs> And let's get into the behind the scenes. Well, before we do, oh, let me uh, uh, say sort of just like my overall thought on the movie. I really like, I like this movie. I really like this movie. I just feel like we're talking about all these awesome scenes. The problem I think with the movie is there are too many talking in room scenes, Mm -hmm. which, you know, is probably why it has a two and a half hour (laughs) runtime. And that knocks some of the wind out of the sails, I think, because there's so many great, exciting moments. And you're wrong about everything you just said. <laughs> I love it. I, I kind of, I just, I don't care. I know this movie has problems, and I don't give a shit. That's, no, it's great. And I, I like this movie. I'm not, I am not criticizing the movie. I, I think it's a good movie, and it wor- obviously it worked. It's a fucking huge hit. It's magic. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think some of the, some of the fun is taken out of the movie, but how long some of the extended, like, Talking in like fake science, like scenes are. <laughs> I love Roland Emmerich and his other writers. Just complete bullshit. Yeah, science fake writing. Science. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a little bit much for me. But I really like this movie. I think it's good. 
How could you not? <laughs> so charismatic. So let's get into the behind the scenes of it. Yeah. Looking at this film, it, I mean, it won an Oscar for, I think, best visual effects and maybe best score. Okay. Um, I have it written down somewhere here. Let's see. Uh, nominated by the Oscars for best visual effects and sound mixing. Oh, okay. Won the visual effect Oscar. Nice. So it won one of them out of the two, which was, you know, I don't, I'm sure Star Wars won one of the visual effects back mm. in the day, but I always feel this was the film that kind of gave genre films like, like this, this is real shit, people. And after this, I feel like genre films, alien sci-fi was given respect. Yeah, no, this is absolutely the movie. And I, I think we go through waves because like, yeah, Star Wars had a wave of sci-fi respect, but then we had so many Star Wars imitators that kind of killed the genre. Then mm-hmm. this was the movie for the '90s that made sci-fi respectable again. And then fantasy became respected with Lord of the Rings, right. Return of the King winning, and now horror is now Being respected respect. with Get, um, Out. Get Out winning. Yeah. Wow, we've really come a long way. It's it's waves, you know. Like we're gonna make a bunch of get out imitators that are eventually going to kill mm-hmm. the genre because they're just going to be like like the torture porn wave you know or whatever um it's going to kill the genre but like we're in a fun wave of horror right now and this this definitely kicked off the fun wave of sci-fi i mean if you mm-hmm. think about it this probably paved the way for audience interest again for the prequels of star wars 96 and those came out in 99 so the first one of that so yeah i'm sure it this did. helped like oh, I'm, I'm sure to. those movies were coming out anyway. I'm sure you know well, they were already probably filming at the time because it was mm-hmm. fucking such a huge movie. But this really solidified that those were going to be hits. Yeah, I, I always find it funny because before this, all the uh, relaunches of the Star Wars were coming out where they fixed them a little bit, right, right, even right. though they made them worse. All right. Uh, and then Star Wars came out, and then James Cameron saw Star Wars and said, oh, I can't make Avatar, we're not ready. Yeah. <laughs> such a James Cameron insult. Yes, yes. <laughs> Where you're like, man, you're such a dick, but you're absolutely correct. But you're right. <laughs> you're right, though. Uh, he's so, usually right. Yeah. The film's score won the Grammy, which was composed by David Arnold. Uh, he's done a lot of films, but he's mostly known for the Bond films. This is iconic. Yes. This, this score as well. Like, well, like, I don't know what brought it back, but we were doing a shit ton of just, like, pop songs at this time period because we had Quentin Tarantino mm-hmm. coming into effect. Right. Where everyone's just like, oh, let's just get a bunch of popular people. Kind of like Scream did. Yeah. You know, with all these poppy songs. This one, though, when it comes out, this is a pure score. There's no pop songs in this that I know of. Right. Right. And, like, people are like, you can still do these films like this. Yeah. And I, I think this relaunched the super serious score. Yeah, because it paved the way for Titanic, too. Yeah. Which had, you know, it had the song, but it had an iconic score as well. Yeah, but it wasn't a pop song. It was an original song. For the movie. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So, like, yeah, this this also paved the way for Titanic. All the orchestras came back because at that time period, you could probably only get a, you know, Jurassic Park time film with all the score you could probably only have you know george lucas star wars with all the score basically spielberg and lucas yeah could still get away with it but after this it all started again yeah and we had film scores again yeah and then we had metallica do their own orchestra do you remember that (laughs) yeah oh metallica you made some odd choices post black album (laughs) let's not get into metallica we've already gone off in enough side tangents 
But yeah, that's my behind the scenes with this is. Uh, I guess I guess the only other question before the museum is if uh, if you come across this tape at a Goodwill, are you picking it up? Rent it, own it, <laughs> cherish it. <laughs> uh, I will say, uh, really fun to watch still on VHS too. It, ca- it really captures the '90s essence of the movie and mm-hmm. doesn't ruin sort of any of the effects at all. Sometimes you know you want wow. like the big scope and the Blu-ray sound and stuff like that. The VHS doesn't take away from any of that. It's still a yeah. big, loud movie. <laughs> I would say if you have to watch it on like a really, really big flat screen with high def, you, it's hard to watch it on a VHS like this because it's just, it, it's so dark mm. on these new TVs. But when I watched it on like my monitor, a computer monitor, and I can kind of turn it down, it looks great. Yeah, the, yeah VHS is still pretty awesome. I was surprised. Yeah. I mean, they they probably top quality stuff. This was their big movie that year. They probably spared no expense on the tape here. Still, even when you put it into it and watch it and it actually looks good, it, it's shocking because we've watched so many awful VHSs. Right, yeah. Which is so, part of the fun of it. But, yeah. like, yeah, this this holds up on VHS. So, I mean, if you come across this for 25 cents and you're like, oh, I don't have this anywhere and I don't want to spend $10 on the Blu-ray. I want to spend 25 cents. Pick it up on VHS. Fuck yeah. it. It still works. Yeah, it's amazing. Let's go. Let's go in the museum. Let's do it. This is the second time I've had to reclaim my property from you. That belongs in a museum. So do you! I love the models. I love the use of the models. The exploding White House, the exploding buildings in New York. Which, by the way, did you notice that most of this movie is all New York and DC? Yeah. Which was probably counter of what it was back then. Because I believe, like, with the Beverly Hills Cop movies, and most of the 90s was filmed in LA. Yes. And Roland Emmerich just goes, ah, fuck that, we're going to New York. Yeah, like, the 80s were New York with Ghostbusters and stuff like that, and the 90s were LA with, you know, everything from comedies like Friday to, like, yeah, like, mm-hmm. every, everything everything was LA in the 90s. Nope, not this one. This one's DC in New York, and it's because it's, LA changes so much. You film in L.A. in the 90s, it's going to be dated in two years. You film in D.C. and New York, your movie's going to be timeless because those places don't change. That's what's great about those places. <laughs> yeah, you have a point. Like, filming in Chicago, right? in New York, you know, Washington, D.C., and even Toronto, there, there's something about it because they just they don't randomly change every five years or right. whatever. Right. There's something that you give your film a much better chance of being timeless yes you're just filming in like a a big city you know concrete jungle kind of even though it costs a lot more yes (laughs) well maybe not toronto as much but definitely new york yeah well and then toronto that's a whole nother story because it's so moldable you can make it look like la you can make it look like chicago like it's so like moldable but having and who knows where this was actually Mm -hmm. filmed maybe it wasn't but like it feels so new york and so dc so well, this film is funny because I, I remember seeing J.J. Abrams talk about when he was doing Star Trek, the first the first yeah. one. He was You could tell, he's like, I listen, I don't want to make fun of the prequels of George Lucas or everything like that. But he brought up, he's like, well, you know, when you go back and watch a movie kind of like Independence Day, the reason it feels so good even nowadays is because they're using models. They're using real. I always remember him talking about this film for Star Trek. 
that's how much of an impact this made. And J.J. Abrams, when this movie came out, was probably, what, early 20s? Yeah. He he's was... probably only 10 years older than me. I would guess that, yeah. yeah. So Cause... he probably watched this, and he's just like, I want my film to look like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. what do you got for the museum? Uh, Bill Pullman's Independence Day speech. It's iconic. It's insane. It's wonderful. It's great writing. It's great performance. It's unifying. It's it's great. It's absolutely great. And today, the world celebrates their Independence Day. I was watching it alone. Ashley was around. But I was watching it alone. And, like, at the end of that, I just also shouted that at the TV. I might as well have been by myself, you know. <laughs> she was not watching the film with me. It wasn't like we were doing a bit together or anything. I was by myself. And I was just like, we celebrate our Independence Day. <laughs> I know. It's so... You have to. You have to shout it. <laughs> Fuck, it's so good. That is pretty much the clip that has ran over and over for this film. And, like... It's not really, like, made fun of. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, like, really parodied because it's so good. (laughs) But it should be parodied because it's so iconic that you have to parody, you know, stuff like that. Like, you guys just, for uh, Hi-Fi, or, shit, what's your podcast called that I listen to? Oh, AF Highlight? Yeah, you guys have brought up, like, films that they've made fun of nowadays with right. certain little tidbits. Mm. Uh, what was the one you guys just made fun of in yours? You probably don't remember because you were high, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but like in any type of movie like uh, Gone with the Wind mm. that's been made fun of well, so much. Well, yeah, we talked about much. the Carol Burnett show on that one. Yeah. Where they do that. Or like The Godfather has been made fun of in every movie ever. Yeah, like, like, yeah. But you don't get the uh, president's speech made fun of. But you should. Because it is iconic. It is iconic. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to uh, what's next. We are going to move on to a completely different genre. Uh, We are moving into a sleaze suspense film uh, called American Nightmare for our America Month, which is a Canadian, as in North America, (laughs) not like America, America, which I did not know until I put the film in. Neither did I until I saw it in the credits. I saw that it was recorded in, um, was it Montreal? One of those, like, super accent Canadian places. The Aboots type places. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, which I didn't realize when I picked this film because I had never seen it before. Um, We'll talk about it when we get into it. And by the way, you can get ready for the film by watching it on YouTube. There is a VHS rip on there. Nice. Yeah, I'm assuming this is a pretty hard one to find. Uh, we've got the media VHS of it uh, from 83. If you want to jump into this one, you can watch it. It is Total Sleaze Fest, uh, American Nightmare, 1983, keeping our America theme going uh, for the July month. Yeah, get your flags ready because you're about to se- wait. You're about to celebrate a Canadian film. Uh, get your North America. <laughs> is there a North America flag? <laughs> Can we make one up for this? Yes, let's make the. North it's just American Michael flag. Ironside's face. Yes, the North American flag <laughs> is our North American treasure, Michael Ironside. Oh, lovely. Yes. Oh, I love it. So I'm going to talk about one film that I watched in our kind of like little. What did we watch? I'm going to okay. talk about a '90s film that was made now in the New Line comedy uh, tag. I did not see this yet, so keep it spoiler free for me. I will. I will. It is just ridiculous, stupid fun. Uh, Sarah and I watched it, and as soon as she saw the trailer and whatever film we watched, she's like, oh, we have to see this. And I'm like, totally agree. And it's dumb. It's such a stupid concept. It's great. 
it feels like a Dumb and Dumber in nice. a way. Obviously, it's nowhere near as good as Dumb and Dumber, but it's very fun. If you want to movie pass it, just get a good laugh. I kind of want these dumb comedies like this to come back. What's funny about the stupid concept is it's real. Yeah, yeah. It yeah, is I've, re- I've read this. Yeah. I've read the article or whatever that this movie is based on. Um, yeah, and it is fascinating. Loved it. We both laughed. We both got out of the theater, and we both felt like just happy. We talked about it with Rampage. You know, the the, the new line movies that are coming out now are starting to feel like '90s mm-hmm. new line movies, and it's kind of exciting. It's kind well, of fun. Matt Stork called it. <laughs> the '90s wave is coming. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm excited to see it. You should. All right, everyone. You can rate and review us on iTunes. You can listen to us on Podbean, uh, Google Play, Stitcher, so many other things now. Thank you uh, for all the ratings and reviews that you've left at this point uh, to everyone who has. And if you haven't yet, please do. It helps us out. It helps us get seen. Uh, We really appreciate the support uh, thus far, though. Yeah, we also should point out that our downloads have almost doubled. Yeah. So thank you for uh, being interested in tapes still. Yeah, I have no idea what we've done. I mean, other than just be our idiotic selves. But thank you. Yeah, thanks for thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing it, and uh, keep keep it going. Like we want to keep doing this, so keep listening. Keep telling your friends. All right, come back next week when we'll be breaking down American Nightmare. And you remember to always be kind and rewind. <laughs>